today, uh, the message today I'm bringing is the message from 1 Samuel chapter 17. And this is a story of David and Goliath. And look, it's a long chapter. It's got 40-something verses. But I'm going to ask Helen if she will come and read the whole chapter because I want to, I want to talk about this whole story. I want to begin talking about our history with God and David's history with God. I want to talk about the prophetic word and how David heard from God and, 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 and acted upon a prophetic word. And then I want to finish up by talking about faith and trust. So first of all, Helen, would you like to come and... Um, or are you going to read from there? Okay, I can come and read. You can come and read? Yeah, sure. Okay, fantastic. Thank you for that. Okay, I'm going to read from the book of First uh, Samuel, chapter 17, verse 1, to the end. Let's read together. Now the, Philippi- the Philistines gathered forces, gathered their forces for war and, and assembled at Soko in Judah. They pitched camp at Ephes Damim between Soko and Azekah. Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another while the valley between them with the valley between them sorry a champion named goliath who was from god came out of the philistine camp his height was six cubits and a span he had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing five thousand shekels on his legs he wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was lying on his back. <clears throat> his spear shaft was like a weaver's rod and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield-bearer went ahead of him. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? I'm not a Philistine. Am I not a Philistine? And are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and give him. Choose a man and have him come down to me. As if he's able to fight and kill me. Will we become your subjects? But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistines said, this day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' word, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Now David was the son of Ephrathite, named Jesse, who was from Bethlehem in Judah. Jesse had eight sons, and in Saul's time, he was very old. Jesse's three eldest sons had followed Saul to the war. The firstborn was Oliab, the second Abinadab, the third Shammah. David was the youngest. The three oldest followed Saul, but David went back 
and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep to Bethlehem. For forty days the Philistine came forward every morning and evening and took his stand. Now Jesse said to his son David, Take the ephah of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry took their camp. Take along these ten cheeses to the commander of their unit. See how your brothers are uh, and bring back some assurance from them. They are with Saul and all the men of Israel, of Israel in the valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. <clears throat> Verse 20. Early in the morning David left the flock in the care of the shepherd, loaded up and set out as Jesse had directed. He reached the camp as the army was going out to his battle position, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of supplies, ran into the battle lines and asked the brothers how they are. As he was talking to them, Goliath, the Philistine, champion of, from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance. And David heard it. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. Now the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to divide Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. David asked the man standing near him, What will be done to the man who kills the Philistine and removes his disgrace from the Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? They repeated to him what they had been saying and told him, This is what will be done for the man who kills him. When Eliab David's elder brother heard him speaking with the men. He burned with anger to him and asked, Why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle? Now, what have I done? Asked, uh, said David. Can I, can't I even speak? Then he turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter. And the man answered him as before. What did David What David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. David said to Saul, Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you are not able to go against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came, when a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. 
When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the power of the lion and the power of the bear will rescue from the hand of, the, of this Philistine. Saul said to David, Go, and may the Lord be, the, be with you. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put, a, he put a coat of armor on him and a bronze of helmet on his head. David fastened his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in this, he said to Paul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the, st from the steam from the stream, put them in the porch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling, his hand approached the Philistine. Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He took David over and saw that he was a little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, and despised him. He said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cast David by his gods. Come here, he said. I'll give you your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. David said to the Philistine, You come against with the sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Almighty Lord. The God of armies of Israel, whom I have defied, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Verse 47. All those gathered here will know that it's not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, but the battle is Lord's, and he will give all of you into your hands. While the Philistines moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle, to, battle line to meet him. Reaching on his, into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank onto his forehead and he fell down face down to the ground so David trumpeted over the Philistine with a sling and a stone without a sword in his hand and he struck down the Philistine and killed him David ran and stood over him he took hold of the Philistine sword and drew it from the sheath after he killed him he cut off his head with a sword. When the Philistines, when the Philistines saw their hero was dead, they turned and ran. Then the men of Israel and Judah surged forward with a shout of, with a shout and pursued the Philistines to the entrance of Gath and to the gates of Ekron. 
their dead were strewn along the Sharon road to gather an Ekron. When the Israelites returned from chasing the Philistines, they plundered their cup. David took the Philistines' head and brought it to Jerusalem. He put the Philistines' weapon in his own tent. As Saul watched David going out to meet the Philistine, he said to Abner, commander of the army, Abner, whose son is is that young man? Abner replied, as you, as surely as you live, your majesty, I don't know. The king said, find out whose son this young man is. As soon as David returned from killing the Philistine, Abner took him and brought him before Saul. With David still holding the Philistine's head, whose son are you, young man? Saul asked him. David said, I am the son of your servant, Jesse of Bethlehem. May the Lord bless his word. Thank you. Thank you so much, Helen. That's very good. A bit of a lengthy reading, but I really wanted to capture the the whole essence of the story there. So I want to start off by asking you, what sort of relationship with God do you have? And um, it, this is interesting because uh, obviously it runs on the back of the relationship that David had with God. And I want to draw some parallels there. So what sort of relationship with God do you have? Do you, Is your relationship like long-standing or is it recent? You know, um, that's a factor. But in one sense a factor because you can be a, a, a fully age mature Christian or you can be a new Christian, a new believer. But in another sense, it's not the length of time that we've known God for that counts. Okay? It's the depth of the relationship that counts. And that's it, the depth of the relationship. And I've often talked about our history with God. and But again, it's not about how far we go back in the past with God. But it's about the type or the style, if you like, of history that we create with God that counts. A history with God is created out of trials, testings, and obedience. And none of these elements can be improved upon without a good understanding and outworking of the scriptures and the experience of God in our lives. Some people say that if you really understand the scriptures well, then you've made it. Other Christians say, if you have experienced God, then you've made it. But folks, neither is completely true. We need to both understand the scriptures and experience God. I'm standing crooked, aren't I? We need to understand the scriptures and experience God. And that what's, that's what makes a good relationship. So whether we're good or bad Christians, we create a history with God. And we either create a good history or a disappointing history. A good history with God is built upon, we see harmony, okay? 
harmony of the God-man relationship. And that relationship needs to change and improve. It evolves, adapts over time. As we go through tests and trials, our faith begins to grow. At first, we'll be tested in small areas, and as we pass the test, we'll be tested in different and greater areas. All of this causes our faith in God to increase, and as our faith increases, we'll have our faith tested in even greater areas. When we look at David's life, we see that he was given responsibility. He took it seriously, and as a result, he was given more. And eventually, he went from being a shepherd boy to a king. His first responsibility was to look after sheep. Then came the test of the bear, then the lion, and now Goliath. The fulfilment of these tests gave faith increase. And it's the same with us. As we fulfil our godly responsibilities, that is, passing the test, then our faith also begins to grow. I guess the question is, are you willing to put God first in your life? By passing his tests. Now that's the key. We can all say, yes, I'm willing to put God first in my life. No worries, I can do that. I can give up this, I can give up that with God's help. And we do, and we can. But can you put God first in your life by passing the tests? By passing the tests. I'm not saying that you'll become a king or that you'll grow uh, in your relationship with God and become a stronger believer. And you will. And with that growth you'll be given more responsibility. And yes, you may not become a king, but you will grow. And that you are seated next to a king. How good is that? We aren't all called to kill lions or bears or big men, but we are called to look and care for sheep in one way or another. Goliath was pretty angry. He was pretty angry with Saul because a boy came out to fight him. I mean, you know, six cubits. He tall man. And, you know, like the army tried and failed a heap of times. And then this boy comes out. Like, Goliath was pretty angry. He came out with a lot of abuse directed at David and even asked if he was a dog that a boy would come against him. And then he cursed David by his own gods. All of this put no fear into David at all. It was not there for his own benefit. He was on a mission from God. He knew it. He was there because of God. And his faith and trust in God was so strong because, and he was so focused there was no place for fear. David began to prophesy to Goliath and tell him the events that would transpire regarding his death. And there are two main elements associated with this prophetic word. Firstly, David says in verse 45 that he comes in the name of the Lord. That's the first 
thing. I come to you in the name of the Lord. Secondly, David declares in verse 47 that the battle is the Lord's. Now, you can't get any more prophetic than that. I come to you in the name of the Lord. The battle is the Lord's. Quite often we say, I'm waiting to hear from God. Have you done such and such? No, I'm waiting to hear from God. Are you going to do this job? Uh, I'm waiting to hear from God. We say it a lot. In some situations, I believe this is passing the buck because we're too scared to place our trust in God. So we just say to people, I'm waiting to hear from God. I'm waiting to hear from God because we're too afraid to step out. Now I think that we have knowledge of a situation that we're waiting to hear from God. And then we've already heard and action is necessary. And this is based, folks, on the depth of relationship. David didn't wait around for three confirmations. He didn't pick up the scriptures. He didn't even pray about fighting Goliath. David drew on his history with God, which was depth of relationship based on trust and faith. You see, God had been with him in the past situation, so why should this situation be any different? David's words were, God delivered me from the poor of the lion and the poor of the bear, and he will deliver me from the hand of Goliath. Another prophetic word. David's focus was to show the world that there was a God in Israel. It wasn't about David being a hero. It wasn't about David being better than all the other soldiers. It was about God. This was about God. And why would God even choose a shepherd boy to win the victory? Because people would say, surely there is a God. Surely there is a God because a boy took down a giant. And Israel would once again be reminded that their God is Yahweh. That their God is Yahweh. The God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. They knew. They knew but they kept forgetting. They kept wandering away. And this was another reminder of God saying, I am here. I am your God. We need to remember that also. That God is here with us. God hasn't changed. He's the same yesterday, today and forever. It's the same as Gideon's story with the um, with the uh, Malachites and so on, three hundred men took down one hundred and fifty three thousand. Again, a reminder to Israel that God is on the throne; He's there, and we must remember that when we are operating in areas of trust and faith, we must be careful not to operate for the wrong reasons. Remember, it's not about me; it's about God. We are his representatives and we are about promoting God in our own lives and also in the lives of those that we come in contact with and those that we minister to. Sometimes we struggle at the size of the test. We shouldn't, but we do. We struggle at the size of the test. Many years ago, I didn't want to go to Africa. 
as a missionary. It was too scary. It was too big. I didn't know anyone there. But God engineered the circumstances through my faith and my trust in him. And now I've been to Africa many times doing mission work and spreading the word of the gospel. Step out, folks. Leave your marshmallows behind and step out of the comfort zone and trust God. Man, it's so rewarding. It's so rewarding. We think it's too hard or it's too big or sometimes we don't want to hand over areas of our lives over to God. And that is probably the hardest of tests is giving God control of your life. Man, God has taken me on a journey, released me from secular work and yet provided me with money in a way I never thought or dreamed. We seem to have a desire to maintain and control our own lives. We've been around for a while and we know our own situation well. And let me tell you, <clears throat> yes, God may have provided me with a, with a small income. Don't get me wrong, folks. I'm not rich. I don't have money to share around. But one thing I can share is that if you trust God like I did, he'll be your provider too. You sing Jehovah Jireh, my provider, but so often it just comes from our lips. If only it came from our heart and we really did hand our lives over and allow God to provide for us instead of us providing for ourselves. Imagine if we could only do that. Folks, we're decision makers. And the hardest part is making the correct decision. Adam and Eve made the wrong decision. Even armed with all the information, they still got it wrong. Their thinking was about self. Their thinking was, it's all about me. I want the knowledge. And when I have the knowledge, I will have power. Well, that power and wrong decision corrupted the world, all because, folks, of selfish motivation and selfish ambition. Now, I don't want to dwell on Adam and Eve too much. But let me say, in David's case, we see a totally different approach. The human approach to Goliath was that he was too big to fight. But David's approach, he's too big to miss. Do you see the difference? Wow, this guy's mighty. He's a warrior. He's too big to fight. I'm afraid. No, no, no. Wow, this guy is huge. What a big target. It's going to be easy. You know what I mean? It's a matter of perspective and looking at situations through God's eyes, not through our eyes. With God involved, the situation and the approach to a particular problem or, or situation or test is viewed differently. The elements of the problem are still there. For example, Goliath was still there. He was still taunting. He was still cursing. He was still making threats. Even though God was now involved, the problem hadn't changed or gone away. What changed was the approach to solving the problem. David was hardly on a power trip 
Come on, folks. David was hardly on a power trip. He was a kid whose blind faith in God was so strong that he placed his own life on the line. Come on. You remember the um, the lion and the bear? You know, David had been there. He had, had experience with God. And he's only a boy. Come on. We're seasoned Christians, are we not? Or most of us. He was only a boy. And David also had faith in his own ability with a sling. Check out Judges 20. 16. You got it there, Helen? Judges 20, 16. This is a very cool verse. I'd like you to read it out. Judges 20, 16. David also had faith in his own ability to sling a stone with accuracy. God took that ability and used it for his glory. And God will take what you have, your abilities, your talents, your gifts, and he will use them if you allow him. He will use them for his glory. Judges 20 verse 16, you got it there? Yes, Judges 20 verse 16 says, Among all these... Well, we can't hear you. Just flick it over to your camera. Okay, sure. Bring yourself into the picture there, Dales. Yeah, I'm working on that. The screen is very bad. Oh, do you need help? There we go. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. All right. That's not so good, is it? No. Just come around here and read it, quick, because we're in the middle of a sermon. Just bring it back and come around here. Thank you. Okie dokie. Okay, so this reading, Judges 2016, and it's about um, that David had faith in his own ability to sling a stone with accuracy. What's it? Read it out. Among all these soldiers, were, there were 700 selected troops who were left handed each of whom could sling a stone with a hair and not with miss. With a hair? And not miss. Sling a stone with a, at a hair. Oh, sling a stone at a hair and, and not, not miss. Okay, thank you. Thank you. So you can see the Israeli soldiers were well practised. Even the left-handed ones could sling a stone at a hair. Like, we're not talking rabbits. We're talking, you know, a hair... You know, stuck on a wall or somewhere. No, left-handed. And hit that hair. This was the kind of uh, of uh, situation that David was brought up in. David knew how to sling a stone, all right. Don't worry. Do you think when he's watching the sheep, a, a snake or a predator or animal might come, you go, down. Do you think while he's sitting on a rock all day watching the sheep eat grass that he's doing nothing. No, no, no. He's praising God. He's praying to God. But he's also practicing his self-defense against predators for the sheep. When David stepped out with that sling, 
He went and chose those five smooth stones. He only needed one because he knew that with his ability, that he could hand his ability to God and God would use David's accuracy with a sling and ability to hit that man right in the Goliath spot. Boom. Kunk. Yibbity yibba. It's all over. You see, what are you good at? What is your ability? If you have a guitar, don't throw it at a giant. Use it for God's glory. Use it for God's glory. Get on the platform somewhere. Sing worship. Whatever. Oh, sorry. Where did we get to? After I read the verse. Okay. Apologies, folks. Our audio was down. It's now back up. I'm going to go back a little bit now. So, interesting. That verse that those Israeli soldiers, they could they could uh, hit a human hair at, uh, I don't know how many paces with the left hand. So they were accurate. They were practiced in their, um, in their defense. And so was David. He's out there watching the sheep. You know, yeah, he might be writing a psalm or, you know, having a prayer time or something. Or thinking, hmm, what's for lunch today? But also, he's probably got that sling and he's he's practicing, he's doing his target practice or if a, a snake might come up, you know, or uh, some predator comes to get his sheep. Yeah, like, what are you doing out, out, out in the long paddock? You know, you're out in the long paddock all day. Yep, you're watching the sheep. There's stuff to do, stuff to get involved with. And God used David's ability with a sling to take down the big fella. Okay. <clears throat> what ability do you have? Do you play guitar? Don't throw it at a giant. Use it. Use it to, to serve God. Do you have a car? Don't run over a giant. Use your car to do the Sunday school pickup or pick up the old folks and bring them to church. Like, Use your car for the glory of God. You know what? What do you do? You have a voice. Get on the platform and and vocalise and lead people in worship. You know what? What do you have? What you have? Give it to God and allow God to use what you have to bring glory to Him. Mate, you want to get blessed? Give it to God. Use it for God, and the blessings will come. Believe me. You won't have to go around begging for money. Oh, Pastor Stewart, I run an orphanage. I need money. My kids are starving. They have no Christmas presents. Do you know how many I received? Like hundreds. I can't do that. My resources are limited. I give to one orphanage and that's it. That's it. I can't give to any others. But I know someone whose resources are unlimited. He's the one you should ask. 
He's the one that you should ask. I'm hearing you saying, Amen, brother. Hallelujah. But it's not words. I'm speaking from my experience. Give what you have to God. I didn't even have that gift. I didn't even have that ability. We had no musician in our church a long time ago. And so I learnt to play the keyboard. I learnt to play the ukulele because we had no one else and gave that to God. Do you reckon God's blessed me? Absolutely. Absolutely. Get with the program, folks. Get with the program. It's called B-I-B-L-E, Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth. So, when God gets involved, the outcome changes. And the problem is solved in a different way. Fighting Goliath was not the test. Trusting God in the situation was the test. And it's the same with us as passing the test is not the outcome or the problem or the situation. It's trusting God in the situation. The resolution or the solving of the problem or the issue is the outworking of faith and trusting God. On our own, we're small and unarmed. But with God, we are bigger than any Goliath or problem. Bigger than any Goliath or bigger than any problem. And no matter the size of the obstacle, if we acknowledge God and build on our history with him, he will always be there for us. I want to wrap it up, folks. In the midst of the battle, folks, give it to God. Don't make the same mistake that Adam and Eve made. Don't become all self-righteous or pious or, I know better, I'll do it my way. He did it my way. No, 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 no. We need to do it God's way. David trusted God wholeheartedly. And although he made mistakes along the way, he went on to do great things for God and great things with God. He was a man after God's own heart. This story of David is a great story. This can be your story too. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for this story and the lessons, Lord, that we can learn and apply to our lives. Lord, that we can become better than what we are even today. And Lord, as this year draws to a close, we are what we are and we our history with you is what it is. But Father, we can change our history by getting involved with you in the present, affecting our future. Father, bless us all. Fill us with your spirit. May we end the year on a good note and keep us safe, Lord. And next year, may we become stronger in you. May we give wholeheartedly to you, Lord, and that you, your blessings, Lord, would just overflow out of our life. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to a Wattle City Church podcast. If you download the Anchor podcast app and type Wattle City Church into the search engine, you can listen to more and great podcasts from Wattle City Church. Thanks.